Welcome to the How to Love Yourself No Matter What podcast. My name is Amanda Hess, and I am a certified life coach. If you are like me, you know that self-love is important. But did you know that it's the number one thing missing when it comes to creating a life you love? Listen in, friend. I'm going to share all my secrets because you deserve to love yourself starting now. Hello, and welcome to episode number 58. Today, I have a guest, and I'm very, very excited to share this guest with you. We are going to be talking about money, and I think that money is such a charged issue for many of us. We have, you know, the actual dollars and cents that we're dealing with, and then we have all of the thoughts and all of the beliefs that we carry around with us about money. And so I today have my past client and also my personal financial advisor, Kaylee Boisvert, on today, and she is going to be sharing with you all things money. So if you are the kind of person that loves money, you're going to love this episode. But also if you're the kind of person that is kind of a little bit afraid of money, that feels like you can't really harness money, that you feel like you don't really understand money, that you are, you know shameful about money, this particular episode is still going to be for you. And I would love for you to take a listen. I think what you're going to find is you're going to pick up some really great information from Kaylee. And we really get into the nitty gritty of also why we do what we do and why we don't do what we think we maybe should be doing. So buckle up, take a listen. It's a really fun conversation. And we're going to talk all things money starting now. Okay, everyone, I am so incredibly excited to have a special guest for you here today, Kaylee Boisvert. Boisvert? Did I say that wrong again? Oh my gosh. I, it's Boisvert. It's French. I'm, it's very I'm hard. It's French. <laughs> my last name, well, my my married name is Hess, which is clearly not French, um, very German. But then my maiden name is Henry. So also like there's zero French in me. So I apologize. I am like really awful with certain pronunciations, if that's even a real word. I'm not even sure. But anyways, thank you for being here. Kaylee, um, Kaylee is an amazing human being. Number one, that's what I want you to know about her. Um, we met quite a long time ago, actually, um, a few years ago. Uh, back when I was living in Calgary, uh, we were introduced through networking, through I think BNI. I had knew somebody through that, and then they had introduced us together, and that's sort of how we ended up together. And Kaylee actually became one of my clients, and then I became one of her clients. So we have this very close relationship, and I absolutely love. I love working with her. I love working with her as my client, and I love working with her as being my financial financial advisor. Um, so welcome, Kaylee. I would love for you just to introduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for your kind words. That's so sweet. I too very much was, um, you know, very grateful to have found you and met you and it came at the perfect time because it was, you know, coaching with you was very important for my growth, personal growth, business growth, all sorts of, um, you know, it was, it just was at a very relevant time for me and it all lined up well. So 
it's that universe connecting, connecting the right people at the right time. Um, so yes, my name is Kaylee Boisvert. I am um, a financial advisor. I've been in the industry for about uh, 14 years now. So I started right from university. I'm a numbers person, a math person. I love it. So talk stocks to me and things like that. And it's just, that's my jam. And um, so Coming into the industry um, way back when I started, I was working with an advisor at the time. So it was a male advisor. And um, again, I, I was so fascinated by the industry, so fascinated by the number side of things that it was like, I just wanted to learn everything there was I could learn. And I remember though, kind of a couple days into starting working with him in my head, I said, I'm going to do what he's doing. I'm going to be the advisor. Um, and so I sort of set off on my own journey to continue to grow and build in any way I could to create, help myself build the tools. So I would be ready to make that transition in the future. And so again, I didn't know how long it was going to take or what I needed to learn or know, but I just knew that that was what I was going to be doing. And the reason is it really, like for me, it really spoke to my why. Again, I love money, the number side of things. This is all fascinating for me, but, um, I wanted to build a business, like seeing what he was doing. I wanted to build a business too, but design it in the way that I wanted to design it. So I saw what he was doing and I was working with his clients and it was a lot of male clients. And that was really the context that I was talking to. And um, there wasn't really the females or a lot of female clients that I got to interact with. And um, for me, it was, you know, I grew up in a single parent family. I was raised by a single mom and money was always a source of stress and struggle. So fast forward to being in this role in this industry, I thought, well, this is great. I can help women. I can help support women, you know, so they don't have to go through this stress and struggle like my mom did. And so that was always what was sitting with me, but it just wasn't really the reality of what I was seeing where I was. So I was like, okay. Um, so I kept kind of growing my knowledge and, and building that. And then I, you know, kind of years into working in the industry, I went on mat leave and had my daughter. And that was kind of the turning point for me. That was, you know, I said to myself, if I'm going to go back, I need to do this, this in a way that does speak to my passion and my why about supporting women. Cause that was still sitting with me, but I didn't feel like I was really getting to do that. So I came back and I just um, went around like from firm to firm trying to find out, you know, who would hire me into their new advisor program because it's not um, it, it's not easy starting out in the role. It's very male dominated industry. And especially when you're starting out, you have to build the business from scratch. And um, so there's a lot of um, <sighs> there's just a lot of people in the industry that, you know, kind of have that negative bias of like, you're probably not going to make it. It's not going to work. And then, you know, there I come marching in and I'm like, I'm a woman who wants to build this business. And I didn't look like the other people. There's again, it's a lot of men. It's um, men who are probably look a bit older than me. It's um, and, and so it was like, I, and I'm, I'm quiet, I'm shy, I'm an introvert, and it's very more of a salesy role and in your face. And so um, I got a lot of kind of pushback and a lot of no's along the way. And I just kept kind of going forward and saying, you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I meant to do. I want to support women with their money. And eventually I found a firm that sort of saw the vision and believed in me and gave me the chance. And I've been kind of, I feel like that's when things really started. So I feel like my career really started that moment where I got to start building my own business. Um, 
And that was probably about five years ago with the firm I'm with right now, Raymond James. And ever since then, it's been amazing. It's been, you know, it's been fun. It, it's been exactly what I wanted it to be about supporting women, working with women when it comes to their money, financial goals, um, women, women, especially that are independent financial women, whether it's they're single, maybe they're divorced and they're now the, in the driver's seat when it comes to their finances, um, women who are are widowed. Um, so it's just very much financially independent women that I get to work with. And it's, um, again, all sorts of backgrounds and careers and, um, and just even like, like knowledge level and, um, and experience level too. Cause I think that that's sometimes a, a big sort of hesitation or what holds people back from talking about finances or working with a financial professional is, you know, that you have to be of a certain wealth level or a certain, you'd have to have a better understanding of um, investing in stock markets and things like that, but that's not the case at all. So I get to build this business for women and then I do anything I can to, you know, build that that confidence in women. Because I think that's really the big difference when it comes to women and men and their money is the confidence level is what I've seen. And so I want to build that confidence with women. I want women to feel empowered when it comes to their money and that, you know, this is that they're serious earners and they can be great investors as well. And so that's my business and, and what I do and what I love. I love that so much. I mean, I can see that there's such a need for it. Like when you said about walking into these firms and really not looking like your typical advisor. I mean, a hundred percent, right? I mean, if we think about a financial advisor um, or a wealth manager, whatever title that you want to go with, I think that we do think of somebody that's male, predominantly male, um, older, trust trustworthy, I guess. I mean, there's <laughs> just like this idea that they know but I think that what's super interesting, and I know that this has been my experience, is that I have invested my money with different financial advisors in the past. And the way that I was treated in those firms was not in alignment with how I wanted to be treated. And what I mean by that is like, I would have questions or I wouldn't understand something. And even if I did feel compelled to ask the question, the way that it was answered was not the best. Like it was, I'm trying to think of the word, but ultimately, you know, that I should know better and that it's a silly question or a question that I shouldn't be asking or that some, at one point, my financial advisor was kind of offended that I'd asked the question. And so, can you speak to that and like how you handle that differently or what you've seen? Cause I know we've talked about this a little bit before. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, that comment because I come across women saying that so often. And again, it's like, Oh, the power of the universe. I feel like the women that are supposed to find me are finding me. And they are women that have gone through those scenarios. So they sat in an advisor's office and felt, you know, talked down to felt, like their questions weren't being answered or that it, they weren't able to ask the questions they had, they felt uncomfortable. And so that's really what I've tried to create in my business. And I think that the industry needs to be doing more of as a whole. And this is something that I can like talk and rant about forever, but it's that the industry, because it's been male dominated for so long, 
it's almost like it was it was designed by men for men. And the change that needs to happen is to create it more of like an inclusive space. Um, it's it's basically like they forgot about women. And that's kind of historically what this industry was. It's like that Wolf of Wall Street view of it, where it's guys talking about stocks and it's picking up the phone and being like, buy this, sell that. And that's not really what it's about at all. And a lot still has to change. So because it was very much created in this image that they designed for men in that way, um, it's still like needs a lot more needs to come like catch up with the times and um, be more of an, a supportive environment for women. So if women are feeling that way, that I don't feel comfortable, it doesn't feel like they're speaking to me. It doesn't, um, you know, it's like, it's not a fun experience to have to have an, a meeting with your advisor or whatever those things are. If you feel that way, that makes sense because it hasn't been designed in a way that, that has your needs and your interests and your values in mind. And so I want women to kind of give themselves some grace or almost like allow themselves to be like, oh, okay, this is why not think that they're the problem, but realize that the industry is the problem and it has such a ways to go still. And it's, there's, it's making strides, things are happening, but it's not there yet. And I'm the one that, yeah, stands on my, you know, stands up there and, and it says like, we need more women because that's what's going to create the change. It's going to be when we have this equal representation of male men and women in these roles that we're going to start to just have that. It's naturally going to occur. But until we get there, we're still going to be struggling to keep up with, well, why doesn't this feel right? And, you know, are we talking in the way that our clients want us to be? Are we, are we talking about their needs and, and their values in the right way? And, and so I think it, it, that is going to be sort of what continues to make it lag. Um, For instance, like my firm has a goal to have 25% female advisors by 2025. So that's a goal just to get to a like a quarter, not half. It's just, so that just seems funny to me because I'm like, well, I mean, it needs to be half clearly. And it's, there's no physical requirement. There's no reason that we should say, oh yeah, it's not really a a career or profession for women. Um, There's just nothing about it that would make it have, you know, more masculine. Why does there need to be more masculine um, presence in this energy? There does not. Um, So I think that's so important. And I found myself, what's interesting is I found myself getting caught up in that because I had been in the industry so long that, you know, it's, you just get used to it. The the boys club, you get used to how that's all happening. I got used to going into meetings and it was rooms full of men. And I was the only woman, like I just, it started becoming the reality. And, and they would even say things like, well, women just aren't interested in finances and talking about money and things like that. And I was like, oh, okay. And that's, I was like, almost like brainwashed at the beginning of my career. And that's why I said that going on my mat leave was this turning point. And I think I've had the same kind of turning point here in COVID. It's like when I get pulled away from that environment, I too get sucked into that very masculine energy. And when you step away from it and you start to step more into your feminine energy as a woman, you go, oh, okay, you know, I don't have to do it that way. It doesn't have to be competitive and salesy and, 
you know, they talk about building business our industry like by cold calling. And I'm like, whoa, like who would <laughs> who would do that? I don't want a cold call. And and, and and as a woman, I don't want someone cold calling me about my money. And um, so it's it, it's just it's even I get sucked up into it. I even get caught up in the, you know, there's it it's very much that that perspective that's still very masculine. And um, we do have to kind of step away from that and know there's a different way to do this. There's a different way to have conversations. There isn't such thing as a dumb question. You can ask any question that comes to your mind when it comes to your money and your finances, because it's your money. And, you know, it's, you're the one who has to, you know, feel comfortable with things and, and be like, feel like you're on track with where you want to be. So, um, yeah, it's, there is this shift that needs to happen. And, and I think it, it does happen when there's women talking to women and women being involved in the management positions, even in things like that, where we're having more conversations, where we're making it an inclusive environment where women belong and truly feel that way. And, and that's really what needs to happen, I think, for those conversations to be different. But um, what I am seeing is women kind of standing up in those conversations and saying like, no, you didn't answer my question. And uh, actually, you know, I, this is what I want to know. And, and, and really stepping into that role, which I would urge any woman listening to this to do the same, if that's how you're feeling, remember that it is your money that, you know, I always say like, it's your money. No one's going to care about your money as much as you do. So you're the advocate for your money and you always have to be conducting yourself in that way. So if it, if there does feel like there isn't this alignment, you know, standing up advocating for yourself and your money, and then looking at other options, because there are other options that exist. There are again, more and more women options. And I'm not saying you just have to work with a woman, but I mean, of course, that's my preference, but I'm just saying, <laughs> but I'm just saying that there's, there's options that it's not that I think people, so many people think that they're in a scenario that they're stuck in and they have to be. And I talked to someone on the phone today and they found out what they're paying for fees and it's, it's, it's quite high and they've never really questioned it. Now that they're questioning it, the advisors are really kind of backpedaling and not sharing, you know, what the number is and, and how much they are paying. And, and it's just mind blowing to me. I'm like, no, that's basic information that you should have. And, and always know is what what are you paying for fees? Because if it's not in alignment with you or if it seems too high, then that's your opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to look for other options because there's other options out there. There's so many. Um, and so I think we're, we're coming to a point where it is starting to shift, but it, it has been for, a, you know, there is a lot of the, what needs to happen is Yes, more men and women, more um, more of these conversations, more women sticking up for themselves, their money advocating for themselves. I I think or I hope that's what's going to really be the catalyst for what changes things. Yeah, that is such a good point. And I think that you're right in that if we want to change the relationship that we have with money as women, then we need to be looking at how we think about our money. And I love that you said, like, it's your money. And I think that that's a really important distinction that I think for whatever reason we forget, like women's relationship with money is very different, I find, than men's relationship with money. Like, what do you notice is the big differences between working with women versus working with men when it comes to money? Mm -hmm. Good question. Yeah. I think there's more, there's more emotion 
in with women when it comes to money and that there's nothing wrong with that that's okay again it is it is what it is but men have a a good I guess it does work in their favor where they can kind of just pull themselves kind of out of the equation and just use more of the rational mindset sometimes. And just when they're making a decision, when it comes to money versus women, again, if we're, if we're getting caught up in the emotion, which it is emotional, like we spend our time, it's what provides for our family. So I'm not saying that that's wrong, but it's just that if we can, kind of find a way to go through that and deal with that and try to get to seeing money as more neutral than having positive and negative. I think that's where women would really benefit when it comes to their money. Like women often are the ones that hold on to a lot of guilt and shame and and those kind of emotions about money. And it's really like we have to we have to move past that. We have to move forward because guilt and shame keep us keep us stuck, keep us kind of hidden. Um, and that's not going to serve you when it comes to money. Cause with money, it's about, you know, you got to take action. You got to take steps, move forward, let your money work for you. Like I just did a podcast recently and it's about, you know, getting to know your money, um, being the boss of your money, telling your money where to go and then investing your money and making it work for you. And so, if you're caught in these feelings of like shame, guilt, blame, whatever that is, you're not going to be able to move forward with those steps that you need to take. Um, so it's about it's about building confidence, I think, for women. Like whatever it's going to take you to build your money confidence, I highly urge you to invest in whatever that is, whether it's just spending some time reading a book about finances, listening to podcasts reading one article a week, I always suggest to people just on a financial topic. And, you know, if it's going to be that the knowledge side of things, if that's going to help build your confidence, maybe it's moving past some of the money guilt you have. Um, maybe it's moving through like your kind of like your your money story and and sort of some of the past beliefs we bring about money from our childhood. So I always talk about that too. Like a lot of us, some of the beliefs we're holding on to about money um, were taught to us when we were kids from our parents and, and people around us that were influential. But when we really like kind of take stock and like look at them, we go like, oh, that's not, that doesn't serve me or that's not even, that's not really mine. It was someone else kind of push that belief on me. So it's, you know, maybe for a woman, it's kind of really taking a view at your, your money story and your uh, money beliefs. And what is that? And is there, is there changes that need to be made? Um, Cause I think, you know, that's a big piece too, is like, we don't even, sometimes we get so caught up in that, that we don't even see the possibilities and we put limitations on ourselves. Um, limitations like having, you know, ceilings on like how much you can potentially earn or how much you can potentially have as wealth. And if those are barriers, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to build wealth and see that, that growth and feel, you know, deserving and, and worthy and that that's possible for you too, if it's just that you're stuck in those beliefs. So again, whatever it takes, maybe it's looking at other women that are doing the things you're doing and they've built a lot of wealth. Like that's really inspiring to see that these women are doing it and they're making a lot of money. And it's this kind of, you know, mentor idea of like, well, I could do that too. So it's like opening your mind to the possibilities. So I think a lot of the barriers women have are emotional. And again, it's not good or bad, but it's just that they're not going to serve you when it comes to really 
like wanting to amp it up and meet your goals and and think big when it comes to money. Yeah, those are such good points. Like for one thing, we'll definitely link up to that episode of your podcast because I think everyone should listen to it. Um, being the boss of your money, like what an amazing thing to think on purpose. Like, no, I'm the, I'm the boss. Actually, yes. money is so neutral, like you said, and I think that. So often as women, we do give this emotional quotient to it in that we think money is good or we think money is bad. We think having money is good. We think having debt is bad. We have a lot of judgment. And like you say, we pull it with us from the values that we've sort of learned growing up, like whether you had money or whether you didn't, whether or not your parents were you know, quote unquote good with money or not, like what kind of debt you have and what's good debt and what's bad debt and all of those things. And I think that there is a lot of shame. Like shame is probably the biggest shame and guilt are like the biggest things that I see come up with, you know, women with money. And the thing about emotions like shame and guilt is they make you hide. Like that's the thing you want to know about those emotions. Like that's what you want to do. As soon as you feel them, you want to hide. So what happens, I find even for myself, like when that comes up for me financially is I want to like, I call it like ostriching. <laughs> like I want to put my head in the sand yeah, and then just pretend that none of it is happening. And then I still have the shame, which is so interesting because that still is compounding because of what I'm thinking about that. And like, if you can like rearrange your thinking to being the boss of your money and understanding the neutrality of your money, what happens is that you're able to look at it more clearly as you were saying, right? You actually get a clear picture of it. And I think what's so great about working with somebody like yourself is that when you work with you and like, I know I work with you so I can just speak to my own personal experience is that we can have a really open and honest conversation about where the money's at. And there doesn't need to be that judgment so much as we just need to look at money as it's a tool. It's a tool that we can use. And whether you have a lot of it or a little bit of it, or even a negative amount of it, it's still just a tool. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yes, that like ostrich, like hide head in the sand approach. It's so common. Like if I can say just anything to people listening to this is like, if you find yourself doing that, just do the opposite. Like it's when it comes to money, it's just about taking action, doing something. And so if you're hiding from it, it's going, okay, I need to spend time with my money. Like if I'm the boss of my money, I need to be telling my money what to do. I can't be a passive, like we we take this passive role with money and it's happening to us. And when you're the boss, you're like, oh no, it's not happening to us. It's, you know, I am the boss. What I choose, you know, is is going to be aligned with my goals and what I want to happen with my money. And it's a shift. And if you can do that, um, again, any sort of action, whether it's, okay, I've been ignoring my money. I've, I haven't been paying attention. I don't know how much money I spend every month. And you know, if, if that's how you're feeling, or I don't know how much I make, how much I spend, how much I have, that's fine. But it's like, then the the step is taking action to find out those answers. And that's taking your head out of the sand, right? That's just having an awareness, having awareness of your money. You don't have to be this expert stock picker investor and, you know, know what the markets did today and yesterday and what inflation's going to be and where, you know, where's the growth going to happen and things like that. That stuff is like all, you know, not even 
really needed, especially if you're working with a professional or, um, or just using some of the tools that exist now, which are very diversified products and things like that. So that stuff is all like, don't even get caught up in all that stuff. But the stuff you need to think about is how much money, you know, do I have, how much money do I spend having this awareness about your money? Um, at some level, I'm not saying you have to monitor every dollar, every amount to the penny, but to just have an awareness of, of your money, again, getting your head out of the sand and saying, I know about my money. I know how much I have. I know where my accounts are. I know, you know what my goals are. Just doing those things are going to make massive changes in your relationship. And yeah, as you start stepping more into that, like I'm the boss and like really feeling it, you're just going to be more cognizant of money. You're going to say, you're going to be mindful of when you're spending money and saying, you know, is this really what I want to be putting, you know, my hard-earned money into? So if you're someone who struggles with, you know, guilt over spending and things like that, I think that stuff will naturally, it's not even going to be like you have to put limitations and restrictions when you really step into knowing what you want for your money. I think it's just naturally going to happen. But too often when we're just feeling like, a passive, you know, whatever happens with my money or I have no control over it, you don't, then how you spend it or what you do, it just doesn't matter as much, but it's, yeah, that stepping into that, that owning that role, being in control. Yeah. That's such a good point. I mean, I think there is a lot of fear when it comes to not knowing what's going on because the more that you don't know what's going on, the more afraid you become. And I think too, like one reframe that I've used in the past with respect to money is name it, like treat it like a person. So like, if you want to even like treat it like your kids, like think about if you were thinking about your kids and your kids are running around the grocery store, opening boxes, throwing food on the floor, they're just like out of control. Right. And you're like, Oh, I just don't know what to do about these kids. Like, I just can't control them. I just, I don't know. I can't, I can't you know, I can't figure my kids out and, you know, kids are just beyond me, I guess. I guess I'm never going to have control over my kids. Like if you like looked at it like that, right, it would be such a mess, which is what you're really doing with your money. Because what you're really going to do with your kids is be like, why are my kids doing this? Like, number one, I need to talk to my kids and be like, hey, kids, listen, this isn't what we're going to do here. So like get in the shopping cart, sit down, stop that right now. And you're going to have like, you're going to be like, listen, I'm not going to take you to the store if you're going to behave like this. Like you're going to actually stay home and I'm going to go by myself. Like you're going to put a plan in place to ensure that you don't have that result. And so like, I think it's a great way to think about money. Like anytime we think about money, like it's such a great thing to really notice and download all your thoughts that you have about money. Yes. And then replace money with a person, like with your kids. If you're a mom, it's like the perfect thing. Just replace it with your kids' names. (laughs) And then you can like really see it for like how we give our power away all the time. And here's the thing, like you definitely can do so many different things. Like you say, there's so many different opportunities available, but if we're living in fear, then we don't have access to possibility. So that's the thing you need to know is that the first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to deal with the fear. And once you deal with the fear, then you can start putting a plan in place. Once you have a plan in place, that's when possibility opens up. Like it's just, it all happens very seamlessly but it seems very complicated to our brain. 
So when we think that there's no way out. And I think too, because we have these old messages that we bring with us, these old money stories, these things that we've been told and taught for like a lot of our life, we don't even realize. I mean, like if you think about, I just remember when I was in, you know, high school and I think I did learn about compound interest back then. And I learned about compound interest and thinking back, I'm like, man, can you imagine if I'd have invested like $5 a month, even how much money I'd have right now. And I think that sometimes what happens with us too, is that we get to a stage where we feel like it's too late. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I love that point. Um, and again, yeah, it's just thinking like, then what, what's the point or why do anything if it's too late? And I would say there's, it's never too late. And like, um, you know, it's, it's the whole, the best time to start is today, whatever change or, you know, adjustment you want to make when it comes to your money or your finances. Um, if there is something that's kind of weighing on you or you're not dealing with the best time to do it is today because of that magic of compounding and, and compounding really works the more time we give it. But even by saying, I'm going to deal with this today, instead of dealing with it in 2022 is going to make a big difference. So the sooner, the better. And um, I think too, we get so caught up in with money goals um, that they're, they're really big and far off. Cause especially if it's later, it's going to seem like, well, how am I going to, how is that even possible that I have, you know, I'm going to have a million dollars at retirement or that's what I would need to have for my retirement goal or anything like that. And I'm reading this book and I thought it, it, it kind of overlaps or goes so well with the concepts of money. So I'll share it. So it's called the gap and the gain. And the concept is, so obviously if we're, the gap is when we compare ourselves to where we are right now to where we want to be that desired goal. And I think we do that a lot with money, right? We kind of compare, we look at what other people have and we look at ourselves and we're like, well, and so it's very demotivating. It's very overwhelming when we're looking at it that way. Even if you're only comparing it to the goals you have, if you're, you know, today your account is that you know you have ten thousand dollars in your RSP and you want to retire and and live this really you know exciting fun retirement? You're like, well, I'm going to need to have you know you do the math and and it works out to you're going to need to have a couple million or a million or whatever that number is and you see yourself at where you're at today and you're like, well, like that's not even close and it, it again it just feels very defeating and maybe you just don't take action you don't do anything you're like nah, it's not even possible. Um, instead of focusing on the, that gap, so it's where you are and where you want to be or where you desire or where other people are, it's focusing on the gain. So the gain is comparing yourself to where you, where you are today from like where you started or where you've come and that's the progress. And when you can focus on that, it's actually a lot more, it's motivating. It's exciting. It's, it's, it gives you that momentum. And I think it works so well with money because yes, those goals can seem very big and lofty and and overwhelming when you get caught up in like, oh my gosh, I have to get there and I'm only here. But when you're saying this is where I was and this is where I am today. So maybe where you were was like, I had, maybe you're saying, you know, I had student loan debt. I had line of credits. I had visa bills or, or um, credit card bills. And now my credit cards are paid off and I'm working towards paying off my other loans. And so you're just like, wow, that's, that's exciting. Cause like you've made that much progress or maybe it's, you know, your account 
you started an RSP and it had $0 in it. And now it has $10,000, $50,000. And you've been putting away, like you said, your hundred dollars a month or 200 or whatever it is. And you're like, wow, like that's, that's a huge, that's impressive. Maybe it's, you started out saving a hundred dollars a month because that's what was affordable. And you've, you know, earned salary increases or you've started making more money. And now you're putting away $500 a month into savings and you see that progress and you're like, wow, I started out putting away a hundred. Now I'm putting away 500. Um, so if you can be in that instead and, and be in the gain, always find yourself. If you are in that gap mindset, when it comes to money, can you find the gain? Can you put yourself in the gain? Cause that's going to be huge and motivating. And that's what we need with money because compounding and, and money journeys, they're so long. Like we're talking, if you're planning for your financial like independence or retirement, that could be 20 years away, 30 years away, 40 years away. Like there it's so far away. So if you're every day thinking about it and and seeing that really far off goal is just like, well, it's not a good feeling. But if you can be in the game, it's a lot more fun, the journey. And and that will happen. You will get there. But again, it's our minds are it's we struggle with seeing like long-term time frames. I think our minds struggle to conceptualize that anyway. So when it comes to money and compounding, I show people the charts. I show them like, well, if you put away a hundred dollars a month when you're 18, you could stop at the age of 30 and still be a millionaire. And but no one does it. Like and it's still and it just never happens. And so I'm like, why is no one doing it? And I think that's it. It's just like, it just feels so far off, so lofty. So like, oh, that's like out in the clouds. And so it's that getting in the gap and you're like, well, no, let's get in the game. Let's be like, oh, okay. I can actually only do $50 a month um, now as like a teenager or a young 20 year old. Oh, but you know, I've done that for a year and now I'm going to start doing a hundred and wow, my account was zero. And now it's $10,000 or you know, whatever that is for you, if you can keep staying in the game with those money goals, I think that's going to help people um, get out of that, that sense of overwhelm and, and that almost paralysis from overwhelm. And if you can stay in the game, every little bit counts and it's fun. And then you see the progress a lot more. Yeah. I think that's so funny. You're like, nobody does that. I'm like, that's so true. I don't they know don't. a single person that I know that's like, yeah, I started investing when I was 18. I mean, maybe that's not true. And somebody will listen to this and be like, listen, Amanda, I totally did that. And if you did, I like, I'm like, kudos, hats off to you. That's amazing. But I think you're right. The majority of people don't. And here's what I want to know. What would you say to somebody that is saying, well, I really can't afford to invest right now because I need to pay off my debt? Yeah. Talk to me good. about that because I know that that is a something that a lot of people deal with. And I think that there are ways to handle that. I'm curious what your what your response is to that. Yeah, that's a good question. And it's it's different for everyone because what kind of goes into it too is like your your tolerance for risk and comfort. Like sometimes people like debt is like so overwhelming, it keeps them up at night. And so if that's really where you're at, then probably it's best to really focus on paying down that debt and having that be your goal. And again, get into the gain because if you're in the the gap, it's going to feel overwhelming. It's going to feel like you're never going to be able to pay it down. But if you're in the gain and you're like, wow, it's you know decreased by 10% or 20%, you're going to get to your goal of getting it paid off. But 
it's it's the whole idea of how we're looking at debt and what kind of debt it is. So there's we like to classify in the financial world. There's good debt and bad debt. Bad debt being really high interest debt, um, it's something that's not going to appreciate in value. Good debt being more like something that would appreciate in value or um, lower interest rate. So bad debt would be things like a credit card, like a Visa or a MasterCard, where it's going to be like an 18% interest um, versus good debt. It would be like mortgage on your house because you're paying it down. It's a, an asset that probably is going to be appreciating in value as well. In the meantime, rates are quite low on mortgages. Um, even student loan debt, it's an I would say it's more of a, a good debt because it's an investment in yourself. It in your knowledge and you can write off the interest um, here in Canada you can write off the interest on your on your student loan so it's that that's a, a tax write-off for you as well so it's kind of understanding okay do you have good debt or bad debt if you have bad debt generally the goal would be to pay that off before you start investing if you have some of the good debt there's still reason and you know a, a need to kind of get started investing now. So I have clients that have student loan debts, um, but they're still investing and they're still adding money to their RSPs and their TFSAs um, because again, it's that they are able to write off the interest. The interest rate's not that high. And what we can earn in investing, if we can earn even more than what they're paying on the interest, it just mathematically works. If they're paying 5% interest and we're earning them 8 or 9% in their investments, you're better off by 4% to actually invest than to just fully pay off first and then start investing. Um, so again, it's likely if it's that high, high interest debt, so something like credit card debt where you're paying 18% plus, you probably want to pay that down first because that would mean if you invest instead of paying off your credit card debt, you'd need to get more than 18% return to make it worthwhile. So you'd have to get something like 20, 25%, which maybe in, in one year of like a good bull run or something in the markets, you're going to be able to achieve, but it's probably not sustainable to continue to achieve that high of a rate. So again, bad debt, really high interest debt, probably want to pay that down first. Good debt, lower interest rate debt, you can still have that and be investing and, and outpacing that um, interest rate with your investments and whatnot. But again, it's like, if you feel like you're in that trapped in that, that's that debt cycle, if you can focus on the gain, because I think that's a big one. Again, we're, we get really stuck in that. And there's like a big mindset thing that happens. I think when there is feeling like you can't get ahead and and we have to work on the mindset then if you are struggling with that um to help you get to a place where you know that that is possible that again it's like are you putting this belief that you're not you know worthy do you have this belief that you can't like i i've done a lot of work with my own beliefs and one of them was like it was almost like i i couldn't have a lot of money it was like i had to give it all away that was this belief i had that money would just go because I I grew up in a neighborhood where um, it was not the greatest neighborhood. So there was a lot of, there was like a lot of theft and things like that. You couldn't show wealth or people would like, they would break in, they would steal your stuff. So I was like, oh no, you don't want to have money. Like it's, it's dangerous to have money. And that just seems like so silly now, but it was like a belief I had underlying that it was unsafe to have money. So I was, you know, 
finding ways to get rid of it or give it away when I did have it. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Got to deal with that. Got to wipe that one out because it's not the truth. And, and so, yeah, that there's so much to do with these money mindset too, that can be, if you're dealing with that. And if you feel like it's like a cycle and you just can't get out of it, maybe looking into that as well. And that's obviously Amanda, what you do and then what you can help people work through. 100%. I mean, the one thing that I will say is that, yeah, your worth doesn't come from money. So you want to untangle that as soon as possible, because ultimately it's not going to matter how much money you have. If you don't feel like you have worth, you need to approach that from a different place because money just won't give it to you. And I think that that is one of the biggest lies that we're sold when we become adults is that having more money makes us more worthy. And it simply doesn't. And I think that's where a lot of the shame comes in with respect to having debt or, you know, not having as much wealth accrued as we think that we should, or maybe not knowing as much about money as we think that we should, is that somehow having those things makes you more worthy. And it doesn't. The thing about money is money can be fun. Money is a tool. Debt can be a tool. Investing can be a tool. It's all tools. But I think that you've given us a lot of really great information with respect to how we can break it down and make it more manageable and how we can, you know, systematically approach it from a way that is less emotional. Even if you don't really go to town on your money story and like understand and really get into your worth, just focusing on the gap. Like I love that whole you know, thought process because we can just take little tiny steps. So whether you have a hundred dollars to invest or a hundred thousand dollars to invest or more, or if you are in debt, I like that you share that the strategy is really the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that like start today. Yeah. Do as much as you can, have your eyes wide open, pull your head out of the sand. And if you need help, get help. Yeah. There's so much help out there. Like call Kaylee. She will help you. You know, and I think that just knowing that that kind of help is available and that there's help available from um professionals who are in your corner that understand women, that understand how women approach money, that are going to really get you. Like that's what I appreciate working with you is that I know you understand where I'm coming from. And I know that you understand what I've seen in the past and some of the trauma, we'll call it that, that I've experienced financially. Um, And I also like trust you a lot with my money. And I think that finding that kind of relationship with somebody is a beautiful gift that you can give yourself. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree. Kaylee, thank you so much for being here today. Is there anything that we've missed or something that you'd like to share that you think we haven't touched upon? Um, I think I would just like to leave it with this is that, okay, so we kind of talked about some of the, you know, the, the barriers and the guilt and the fear and the shame and things like that. And, and as we work through it and go out, get outside of it, it's like that moving above the line. And I want people to know that like what, what's there and what's fun too, is that we can actually like, like money and and money can be something like, like we can love money as women. And I think that's something that feels weird and uncomfortable for many women, but try that on too. try being like, I like money. 
I love money. I'm a master with money. Start trying on these big, you know, higher vibrational beliefs about money of where you want to eventually be. And and because that's what's on the other side of all this is like, is that, and it feels so much better and, and it's, it can be empowering. It can be exciting. It can be fun. And, and that does exist when you work through some of the stuff that's holding you down that we've talked about is that's the other side of it is when you can get to that place. It's, it's awesome. It's you're unstoppable and it's whatever the possibilities are endless. I love that. That is so true and so powerful and worth noting, right? Like, yes, there's always hope. Like you can always create, I love that. You know, I love money. Like Mm -hmm. literally telling yourself that every day, like, Oh, I love money. Money loves me. Like really just like thinking those thoughts on purpose and seeing what that creates in your body. Can you believe that? Can you lean into that? Can you like notice what that creates for you in your day? Because yeah, you can absolutely love whatever you want. So why not love money? Because money is definitely going to love you back. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I love it. I've loved money since I was a kid. (laughs) Look at me now. Still love it. (laughs) Remember you telling me that. That's so fun. (laughs) Okay. So if somebody's listening to this and they're like, I really want to be able to have some help with my finances and I'd like to reach out to Kaylee, where can they find you? Um, so I have a podcast as well. It's called the wealth and wellness podcast. So you can check that out. And if you want to kind of check that out before reaching out, um, I have my website. So it's just, um, Kaylee Boisvert. Darn, I should know this. Can I give you the... <laughs> we'll link it in the show notes. Link Don't it in worry. the show notes. Okay. Okay. That's perfect. Because <laughs> my name is hard to spell. I'll be on here forever telling you how to... How. So we'll have that in the show notes. My email, my website, definitely check it out. Or my podcast, the Wealth and Wellness Podcast, which Amanda has been on as well. So it's... Yes. It's an amazing podcast. And Kaylee also does um, monthly lunch and learns. And so they're pretty amazing. She has a lot of different um, people come in and share a whole bunch of different things, not not just about financial um, and wealth and money, but also about mindset and mindfulness. And I think you've had like meditation coaches and like, it's really, really valuable. So I really do highly recommend um, following Kaylee. I know she's on Instagram as well. So Uh, Follow her on Instagram. Make sure you download her podcast. Go on over to her website and make sure that you sign up for her lunch and learns. You definitely want to be a part of her world and her community. Uh, I know that I trust her with all things of my money and uh, I consider her a friend of mine. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. That's fun. Thank you so much, Amanda. Okay, everyone. I hope you have a good week and we'll talk to you all next time. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. You can look forward to a new episode of this podcast every week. And hey, if you like this podcast, you are going to want to join my free Facebook community where I offer daily training and support. You can find it at joinamanda.ca. And if you are really ready to start changing your life, why don't you book a free consult? I promise you, you can start feeling better today head on over to the show notes to set that up.